2: All right, it's time for another
1: edition of Restore the Floor with Evan Jenkins. I'm Stoney, and uh, we want to let everybody know that uh, we have a great episode today because we're going to be joined by a former fan favorite, not from the glory days, but Jonas Jerebko, who people really loved when he played for the Pistons. Still in the area. We'll hear from him uh, in a few minutes. But Evan, November is finally over as far as the Pistons go. And uh, the amount of wins that the Pistons got in November is the amount of times that I had sex with a Playboy bunny.
0: <laughs> yeah, and also, we did as well as the Pistons did in the month of November in I the know. NBA. Yes, We put up just as much. But, I mean, it was a tough task to get a win in those last two games against the Lakers and the Knicks. But
1: I, I will say this. I mean, I, I don't agree with, I guess, what Cade said as they went to the locker room last night. We got our swag back. It was... Nice to see them actually play competitive basketball again. Uh, not because before last night, four of their five previous losses were by 23 points or more. So there were some really good things that came out of the game in New York. Will it be able to carry over. I have no idea. Cade played really well till the fourth quarter. Again, too so many turnovers. He went for a, another shot that got blocked. He had a weird
0: he, travel. Right. I mean, I,
1: I like the fact that Monty said, you know, something's got to change, so he changed the starting lineup. Killian played terrific. He took a star out of the, time, the starting lineup, and I don't look. He's. I'm sure he's a really nice guy, and a, and he started, but then he brought him back at crunch time. If you're in a desperate need of a win, come on. Desperate need of a come on basket, over to my
0: side. I know where you're going.
1: Come on, Isaiah Livers should not be seeing the floor.
0: Oh, for all of 27 minutes, like yeah. that's unbelievable that that guy's playing that much.
1: Right. Well, especially at the end. I mean,
0: that air ball that he had that oh went just over God. the basket, and he was just like, huh, huh. And and, and it's not just, that he. It
1: would be one thing if he was an elite defender. Give me give me Thompson to play defense. Let him learn. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah, Thompson played a total of 13 minutes. That's not great no. when he is your top five pick. Jaden Ivy, also 13 minutes. Right. So something's going on. And
1: well, Sasser played really well last night. So I understand not putting Ivy back in the in the lineup, but we haven't seen that from Sasser since like 15 games ago, right?
0: Yeah, it's been a minute since he has performed well. And just at the end of that game, too, when they were they're trying to like, exchange threes with the Knicks, and uh, people here in the great state of Michigan are familiar with Dante DiVincenzo, and he's knocking down threes in the corner. Most of and them are wide like,
1: open. There was one that was that's really That's what I'm contestant. saying, like, wide open. Yeah.
0: And I just – I know people were like, well – it's more of an effort and yada, yada, but at the end of the day, if the same result is going to be a loss... I know, that's what Monty, like,
1: Monty wait, said after the game. He goes, there's no moral victories. Whoever came up with that term... Yeah, repeat what you said about swag. Who said that about their swagger? Cod- Monty Williams said that when they went they walked in the locker room, Cade said, we got our swag back. How do you have swag when you've lost 16 games in a row? I mean... That's a weird
0: comment. That's a really weird comment. I don't even know how to digest that right now because I don't think you had any kind of swagger. What, because you lost by six and you were, what, 13-point dogs? I I mean, mean,
1: offensively for the most part, look, they shot over 50%. Okay, Kate
0: shot over 50% finally. I'm talking
1: about for the team, and they shot over 40% from threes. They still missed too many free throws. And they still had 20 turnovers, and they had, I think, if I'm not mistaken, like eight in the fourth quarter.
0: And Isaiah Stewart playing 32 oh. minutes, doing five and seven, if you're an oppo- that's not good enough. If
1: you're an opposing team, you're going to let him shoot from three all day, aren't you?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I would. It's So, I was talking the other day, and... People don't like my stance that Cade Cunningham might not be him. He might not be the guy that we thought he was, where I think he's going to be a 20-point-a-night guy. But if you look at the NBA now, that list is a lot longer than 10 years ago. Right. And what works in the NBA nowadays are picking and popping and switching and filling other people's um, roles on the floor. But the Pistons don't have a real pick-and-roll option because – None of their bigs are really a threat to pop out and no. hit that three. Right. Most of them aren't reliable enough to go down and, and try to like pin down their man in the paint. And I just, it just doesn't seem to work. But what I did like is I saw them running more plays than just those two scenarios where it's trying to get your guy isoed out on the weaker defender. You and know what's
1: bizarre to me? Their best big, and I think he's better, he's played better hard to say, than even Durin to a certain extent, and definitely better than Beef Stew. And that's Bagley. I mean, he missed that one easy bunny he had last night or whatever. But he's been pretty good for the most part when he plays. I mean, it, the, the Wiseman experiment's got to end. I mean, he didn't play at all last night, and for good reason.
0: It's, it's so tough. And then the other night when Monty was quoted for saying why he didn't play Bagley and played Wiseman because he wanted to give Wiseman a look and there wasn't enough room or minutes for all – but That's Stoney, we sat there on Media Day and specifically asked Troy and him about the amount of bigs that they have. It wasn't a problem. Right? It wasn't now we don't have enough minutes to go around, which we knew at yes. the time, which the NBA knew at the time, which the media knew, the fans knew, everybody knew. But they didn't want to admit that the collecting of bigs is like. <sighs> Me going out and trying to collect VHS tapes right now—they're <laughs> not relevant
1: at all. I know. Well, the Messiah might be coming back as soon as oh, again. Yeah. yeah, but so hopefully that at least spread the. Floor what if a all of a sudden bit.
0: they go? Uh, they just win every game in December, <laughs> and it was all because he wasn't out there. And then three weeks later, gets traded. The <laughs>
1: other thing is, before he got hurt, and Alec Burks was playing pretty good. And after he got hurt, he came back. He's been horrible.
0: He takes a lot of bad shots now, but. That's what happens when your team starts losing over and over and over you start pressing and you start forcing shots. I, they don't have an elite shooter on their team. No. Like that's, and I, I'm and gonna that's keep the, going to keep going back the league. to and I'm going to keep going back to Cade Cunningham. He's a 30% three-point shooter. Right. You can't have that. No. You know what you would usually typically tell a guy that shoots 30% don't shoot it. Right. I, I, I totally
1: agree No, Now, he shot that. it
0: better last night, but that's a streaky shooter. I'm sorry yeah. that I'm going to be hard on the guy that was drafted 1-1. I am going to be hard. If you think that people in Minnesota aren't hard on Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, or you go look right. at, like, D'Angelo Russell, who was the number 2 pick overall, he got shipped out of L.A. to Minnesota and then shipped back to L.A., and now he's coming to his own. And sometimes the scene that you're at isn't good for you. I think Cade Cunningham, if he was on – Obviously, you say a better team, he's going to be better, but just different types of players around him. Yes. I think he'd be a lot better. He'd be a lot
1: better. All right. Uh, you mentioned the Lakers. I do want to bring this up just quickly. I really—now, granted, it's just it might be just lip service, but did you see what LeBron had to say about Osar Thompson after that game? No. He said he reminds me of Clyde Drexler. He's just, he glides, he's got this athletic ability. a very good comparison, even no, though he LeBron never played against Clyde. Right, he doesn't have the outside <laughs> shot he had, although he made a three uh, against the Knicks. But, yeah, I thought that was I don't believe telling.
0: Clyde had an outside shot until the end of his career. Right, maybe. With, like, the Rockets. Yeah. Because it's, I was going to say, that's a great comparison by how they played. Because he
1: said he looked so effortlessly, and, and uh, Anthony Davis pretty much echoed the same thing. So they, they said that we were sitting around talking on the bench because they were up by 40 or whatever the hell it was, and they were talking about that this kid's could be really good. Clyde's three career
0: three point percentage is 318.
1: That's pretty much what a is, or maybe even less right now, but I think it's his first year. So I mean, but I just thought that was pretty interesting. And a know, very athletic LeBron.
0: guard that necessarily doesn't shoot that well. I mean. He shot 47% from two, so he took a lot of it to the rack. I just remember him having that weird overhead yeah. shot, mm-hmm. something you'll never forget.
1: But when you can compare, and I'm sure he's not saying he's going to end up the career that he had, but when you compare, you know, that guy, if LeBron James compares a Saw Thompson to a Hall of Famer, uh, that's pretty good. All right, we are going to be joined by a guy who, when I said he's— I wouldn't call him a cold hero, but people loved, loved go here.
0: Loved him. And the fact that he is still here in Michigan, I don't know why, but it's it just keeps leaving me speechless because you have all that money. Why are you still choosing to live here? Now that's somebody that's lived here my whole life right. and I'm like, Well, I could live in Florida. But you got you gotta appreciate that because it's not like he finished his career here. No.
1: I know. He went from what, Boston to Utah the Golden State, where he actually played in the NBA Finals. And I see the phone ringing right now, so uh, we'll be about to be joined by Jonas Jurepko.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore dealmaking across sports, media, and entertainment. that is a harsh lesson in business.
2: Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want
1: to do another stomp you out speech.
2: It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal.
1: Listen to The Deal.
2: Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
1: Uh, We're joined on Restore the Floor with a guy who is very popular... When he was a member of the Detroit Pistons, uh, unfortunately, there was no playoff success when he was here. But that's really not his fault, ladies and gentlemen. He was the second round pick, the second second round pick of the 2009 NBA draft from Sweden. The one, the only Jonas Jerebko. What's happening? Yeah.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm in, I'm in Michigan right now. I've been here since since I was drafted here, so I, I kind of call myself a Michigander now.
1: Well, that, that's <laughs> a, that's a great thing. So are you a fan of the basketball team here? Because uh, if you're a fan like us, it doesn't look real good right now, does it?
2: I've always been a fan. I mean, Detroit has, you know, got a special place in my heart. You know, this is where I was drafted. This is where I live. I, I love the Pistons. I love the fans here, you know, the I don't think I ever walked the streets of Detroit or Michigan and heard anything bad. I've, it's always love. It's still always love. So, yeah, I love it here and obviously I'm a Pistons fan. I've been I've been a Pistons fan since, since I was drafted here and even playing for other teams. I've always, you know, kept an eye on the Pistons and, you know, every time we go play the Pistons, everybody's like, "You going home," you know, stuff like that. So, uh yeah, no, it's uh it's interesting to watch what's going on. Um so I watched a game last night, too. Mm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't too pretty. So what are you, what are you doing with your life? You just retired, you're hanging out, you got some business. I know you're, you have wife, some kids and uh, hanging out here.
2: Yeah, man. I, uh, I haven't played for about a year. Um, my kids have started school. I got three kids now, so it's, it's not about me anymore. You know, yeah. they're going to school here in Michigan. They're loving it. Um, so yeah, after the NBA, I kind of, kind of lost my love for the game a little bit, you know, going from the NBA, going to Europe. It's not something maybe every player wants to do. So to be honest, I kind of lost a little bit of the love for the game. And um, yeah, I've been here in Michigan, taking care of my kids, trying to be super dad, getting up at five in the morning, driving them to school, picking them up. And uh, yeah, just living that life. I'm I'm blessed to be, be able to do that. Um, you know, I spent 10 years in the league, so uh, not a lot of people can say they did that.
0: I like to sit back sometimes and reminisce, and, and you kind of came into the NBA a little bit before your time. And what I mean by that is that you were a four that could really stretch the floor. And I think you retired at when that was really getting ushered into the NBA. How do you think your career would have been any different if, let's say, you started in 2020 instead of when you did?
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, you can always look back at yeah. it like that. But I feel like when I came into Detroit, I was a hustler, played hard, um you know i came into that second year uh really coming in hard and then tore my achilles yeah, no. um, and i feel like my achilles injury it's kind of bl- a blessing in disguise i would say because i was not a shooter uh my rookie year in, in detroit um i kind of made myself in a shooter i mean i lived in the gym um when i was injured I, I was literally in the gym every day shooting for for a year and a half uh and i kind of just switched my game up that way and then Funny enough, yeah, the game changed, and, and, you know, that's your typical format now. So, um, yeah, I I turned myself into a shooter in Detroit, I would say. So it's interesting. I just want to ask you
0: this question since you did tear your Achilles, and it was a full tear. There's a quarterback in the NFL with the New York Jets (laughs) and Aaron Rodgers who's coming back in, like, a few months. Is that really possible?
2: I mean, but, like, at the same point, like, I was – it was a few years ago. I'm getting old now. But, yeah. it's, you know, it was 13 years ago I did that. And by the time Aaron is out there on the field, you know, running plays and stuff, and I was in a boot playing video games. I, you know, Arnie wouldn't even let me put no <laughs> weight on my foot. <laughs> and he's out there, you know, taking snaps and throwing the ball and, and it's almost looking like he's running. It's um, crazy. I mean, at, at, at that point, I was like I said, I was on the couch playing video games. They wouldn't even let me put no weight on it.
1: He, he's, older, he's older now than you are. Now,
2: right? Yeah, so, he, uh, I mean, it, it, you're it, 36. It, it has to be the technique that they did the surgery or something and, awesome. you know, keep the muscles going. I don't I don't know. Some magic potion. I don't, I have no <laughs> idea what's going on.
1: <laughs> I don't know what it was. Maybe, you know, the, the lore of a, another Swedish athlete here because we've had so many great ones with the Red Wings. But people really took to you early in your rookie career. It's maybe it's because you had that uh, altercation with Jamal McClure <laughs> in, in preseason. You remember that?
2: Oh yeah, I, no. Of course, I remember that. Uh, like I said, I mean, the fans in Detroit. I, you know, even though I've been on some really good basketball places with some good fans, when you're winning in Detroit, there's no better place to be. The fans here are awesome, and I feel like they they deserve a good basketball team. They deserve a good football team. They deserve a good baseball team. So. Uh, like I love the city. So yeah, no, I, I, I feel for him.
1: So you played for, if I have this correct, when you were here for the, with the Pistons, before you got traded to Boston, uh, it was Michael Curry, I believe his first year as coach or maybe his second, but he only coached. It was for one John month. Kuster. Oh, that's right. John, John Kuster. Kuster. Okay. So yeah, Kuster, Lawrence, Frank, Mo Cheeks, uh, John Lawyer, the interim, and I think Stan Van Gundy's first year, and then he got traded at the deadline. So who was your favorite Piston coach?
2: throw a little Brian Hill in there too. I think we had like six and oh, yeah. oh, five, that's... five years or something. Oh wow, who uh, was my favorite. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, my first year in the NBA was like a, like a dream come true for me. Uh, I came into the league playing with legends like Rip Hamilton, Ben Wallace, Tayshaun Prince. I mean, I came into the league, you know, the kid from Sweden to play with those guys. So for me, everything was a treat. Uh, I didn't care what was going on around the team. I didn't care who was coaching. I mean, I was playing with Rip Hamilton and Tayshaun Prince and Ben Wallace, you know, so, uh, and John Kuster, you know, believed in me. Um, Tayshaun went down and, and I stepped up and, you know, he started me 72 games or something, you know, I can't, of course, I love John Custer the best. I can't say nothing about that. I don't, you know. Um, I, I know Rip doesn't like, feel that way. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, I see all these podcasts and stuff, you know, telling stories. I could I could be telling stories for days, but I won't be doing that. But, I mean, I've seen some stuff, uh, obviously, with, with all the coaching changes going on when I was here. It was... Uh, A frustrating times looking back at it but at the time like I said I was living a dream in Detroit I was playing uh and then you know all the coaching switches kind of threw me off um I'm the kind of guy that would have loved to stay in Detroit my whole career but after Stan came in you know it was was just time to go it was like uh running in quicksand with with that guy so um (laughs) yeah I, I just had to get out um at that point, was he t- was,
1: was he too old school? Because I always thought from afar he was a really good coach, and obviously turned out to be a crappy general manager.
2: Um, yeah, um, I just yeah, we didn't really see eye to eye, and he he liked to scream and the old school stuff. <laughs> um, and uh, if you like that, yeah, sure. But uh, yeah, it's just. Um, it, it wasn't a good fit for me. He brought in a bunch of guys on my position, uh, didn't really tell me when I was playing or not. And it just, to be honest, it didn't really seem like he liked me. So uh, at that time, you know, I, Detroit was my everything. I loved everything about the organization, fans and everything. But um, I tried to get my agent at the time to to get me out of there. Uh, and he said, no, Sam wants to keep you. He's not going anywhere. So i uh I went up the ladder and hired another agent that told promised me i would uh, you know go somewhere else and play i wanted to you know be in the playoffs i want to play important games uh and stuff like that so I kind of saw that as my my only way out and and just you know improve my career from there on and then
1: lo and behold you're a you're a boston celtic
2: yeah um I really didn't think I was going to get traded. I remember sitting in my house in Waterford at the time and it was like, trade. I was asking my wife and then she was, I was like, when is the trade deadline? It was like three o'clock or two o'clock. And it's like, it's now, Oh, I guess we're staying. And then uh funny thing is something popped up on Twitter. I remember. And it was like, Jonas traded. And it was like, and literally a couple seconds later, I get a call from Stan um, and I was like, Oh, we're leaving. <laughs> yeah. And that's, um, and the rest is history there, yeah.
0: Now, I don't know. You have kids now, so I don't know if if you ever drive up 75 to, like, Frankenmuth or anything. But I know any time I drive up 75 and I look to my right and the palace isn't there, it, it kind of hits me hard. Because that was what I grew up with, was the Palace of Auburn yeah. Hills. Did you get a chance to go back before they demolished it at all?
2: I live right there. Okay. Uh, I live by the palace. I almost drive past that every day. I think I talk to myself every day. I wish <laughs> it was still there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's... Um, I love the Palace. I had some great memories there. Like, people, you know, like when we played big teams and, and big important games, I mean, it was always packed. It was, you know, jamming in there, and, you know, I miss those times.
1: Who was your favorite teammate?
2: Favorite teammate? I had so many good teammates, especially in Detroit, man. We, we, we had some good times, even though, I mean, not as bad as it is now, but we, we, we had some good teammates, man. Ben Wallace, you know, Rip Tay greg andre Stuckey, chris middleton you know we've had some really good people go through that locker room uh and it's just unfortunate that all the talent that we had there didn't stay
1: all right let me rephrase this without getting anybody into trouble because we don't i know you're not going to give details who's the craziest teammate you ever
2: had <laughs> <laughs> uh craziest Um uh, i've had some crazy teammates um but like i said i'm not i'm I'm old school when it comes to that. When I came into the NBA, what happens in the locker room kind of stays in the locker room. And I, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not going to put anybody out there, but it, it, I've had some fun times, man. We've, we've had some great times, but what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room. <laughs> yeah,
0: you, you've played with some greats and like Steph Curry and everything, but who did you want to face up against in the NBA? Like when you came into the league, you probably watched it from afar and everybody oh, yeah. has that dream. I want to dunk on this guy. I want to block that guy. I want to do this and the other, but who was it for you when you came into the league?
2: I mean it's funny, it was always you know, Kobe, rest in peace. Um Kobe was, was the guy obviously. You know, growing up in Sweden I didn't really get much basketball, so the big names, Kobe, uh, you know, my first game against him was special. Um, uh, but then just, you know, to come from Sweden and to be on the same team as Ben Wallace, Rip Hamilton, Tayshawn Prince, you know, that was that was huge for me. Um uh, like I said, I was I was living a dream playing with those guys and, and they obviously showed up to be great teammates and, you know, guided me through Uh, My first years in the league, and I think, you know, something like that, you know, having veterans on the team is is something very important, and I think that uh, a lot of teams are lacking.
0: Now, every time you mention your old teammates, you always mention Tayshaun Prince, and I'm a firm believer with the numbers that are in the rafter that he belongs there, too. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, when you think of Tayshaun Prince, you think of uh, the '04 4 championship, and you think of the Pistons, you think of his block, um so obviously tay is a huge part of the organization and yes i think he deserves to be in the rafters i mean that block is unbelievable and he's an unbelievable person and he's represented detroit really well uh in my opinion
1: growing up in sweden obviously your parents played uh, professional basketball that probably got you into it did you ever have the desire to play hockey
2: oh yeah i think i played my last hockey game when i was like 15 or something um, I remember after the lockout year there, uh, when I was had my Achilles injury, Setterberg got me some skates. I went down to the Joe Lewis and uh, skated a little bit down there with uh, Kromval and Erickson and uh, Sederberg down there.
1: That had to be cool having those guys here playing for the Red Wings for you.
2: Yeah, it was cool. It was for me, you know, coming from Sweden, uh, not knowing a lot of people. I got invited to a lot of dinners. You know, we were – I think they had eight or nine Swedish players. So we used to go to dinner, like, rolling 10 deep all speaking Swedish. So, <laughs> uh, no, that definitely helped my transition in Detroit and going down to hockey games and, you know, obviously being a Swedish guy and a, and a hockey fan, that helped tremendously, you know, feeling at home. So you
0: played across the country, and what was it about Michigan that made you stay here and want to raise your family here? You see a lot of people, it's cold, it's this, it's that, it's not the most luxurious place in the world to live, but I mean, we love it, obviously, being from here, but what made you want to stay here?
2: I mean, it was from the start, man. I felt at home from the start. Um, I didn't know any better, so the organization took care of me. I loved every people around it. I mean, obviously made friends. And like I said, you know, just the fans and and the fan base in general, they love their sports. Um, So I've always felt welcome. I've always felt home. And uh, my kids feel the same and my wife feel the same. So uh, I haven't even felt the urge to, to move.
1: You Like we said, you got traded to Boston at the deadline and then you end up at Utah and then in Golden State. And you were with them. You played the NBA Finals, unfortunately for you. You lost to, uh, what, Kawhi's Raptor team back in in 2019. What was that experience like playing, you know, Evan mentioned Steph, but having Draymond as a teammate as well?
2: It it was an awesome experience. Um, After Utah, um, I actually had another option. It was a team option on my contract. But Utah was bringing in Jay Crowder, uh, who's a good friend of mine who I played with in Boston, too. And they were telling me, you know, you're great in the locker room, but, you know, we got Jay here, and he's going to take most of your minutes. So, you know, what do you want to do for next season? You want to be here or you want to play? Uh, and I said, I want to play. Um, so they cut me, and, like, within 24 hours, you know, Golden State called and said, you know, we want you. And, you know, at the at the time, you know, one of the best teams, you know, out there, you know, and there's no way I was I was saying no to that. Um and just the whole experience was good. Um the organization's top notch. Obviously they've been winning. Um everything around the team, uh just the work ethic. Um yeah, everybody's just super professional and it just you you feed off of that, you know.
1: Is Draymond misunderstood, you think? He everybody says he's such a great teammate.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've known Draymond since I was in Detroit when he was on Michigan State, he, you know, so um I've known him for a long time. He's a great guy, great teammate. Uh, I mean, everybody's emotional and you live under a, 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 what do you call it, a glass? Uh, we just, you know, when you're on the, on the Golden State Warriors, everything is going to be blown out of proportion yeah. no matter what you do. And he's, a, he's an emotional guy, and he loves to win. So that's the kind of guys you want on your team. That's the kind of guys you want fighting for you. So um, the people in that organization knows that, and he's important for them. So, um, no, I, I enjoyed my time with Draymond, and he's, he's a great teammate.
0: So you don't play basketball, and when you're not being dad, do you have a hobby? Do you golf? What do you, what do, you do around
2: I've been playing golf. I, I used to be pretty good at golf. Uh, I'm getting better, get, trying to get back to my, my golf game. But, uh, yeah, I have some, I'm have. up in Boynton City right now. I have some real estate up here. And, um, yeah, just trying to stay busy. Um, but most of the time I'm just trying to be super dad, and I got a I court in my house. So I, I stay in shape. And, you know, I, I still enjoy shooting the ball and then playing basketball. So uh, that's what my my days are, are filled with.
1: What, what What's your handicap?
2: Uh, I think I'm at like 9 something now. That's pretty good. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's good. I was, I mean I was down to like a 4 when I was 12, you know, so that's why I want to When get you were access. 12? 12, 13, yeah, Jesus. I was down to like You thought you they, they thought you were going to be
1: the next Jesper Parnovic, right? <laughs>
2: Hey, that would have been nice, too, but I <laughs> yeah. think I made the right career choice. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. I, I get <laughs> it. I still I have it. time for golf, right?
1: Yeah. By the way, you'd appreciate this. Both Evan and I, a few years ago, we took Rip Hamilton out to uh, Tamashaner Country Club, and yeah. we, we met for a golf, and only <laughs> Rip realizes he gets there. He left his clubs at, I think it was White World West's <laughs> house he was staying at, yeah. and he didn't have his shoes either. So he had to play with, he would play with, like, borrowed clubs for five holes. Why doesn't it surprise me?
2: <laughs> it was the I, most... We're going to have to do around this summer then. Yes, oh, absolutely. We will. So do you play up yeah. at Boyne at
0: all? Those courses are awesome.
2: I have not, but I heard it's really nice up here to play. I, I used to be around, uh, around the palace area. That's where I play.
0: Okay. And then, so, Jonas Jarebko is still walking around the streets in the great state of Michigan. You get noticed quite often, don't you?
2: Yeah. Um, like I said, I've... The the fans in Detroit, man, they're diehard, and oh, yeah. I, and like there's a re- there's a reason I'm still here too. And you know, I, I love I love Detroit. I love the fans, and I still to this day, you know, people come up and want a picture, and you know, talk about basketball, and I just love the passion. Uh, I love the passion for this city.
1: Are, are your kids basketball players yet?
2: My daughter, my two daughters are four and seven, and they're not really into basketball. Uh, My son is two, and he's he's a monster. So yeah, (laughs) he's probably going to be a basketball player.
0: (laughs) I always wondered this when when you came into the league, you took a number. To me, as a kid growing up, Grant Hill was like the man here. And when you came in, you wore thirty three. Did you ever have to like clear that, or did they just not care at that point?
2: So. Like I said, I'm from Sweden, you know, like I don't know. Yeah. I didn't know who had 33 in, in the Pistons before, you know what I mean? I came in and I remember I was getting drafted. I was sitting actually in New York. Uh, you know, the second rounder is usually not there, but I'm like, this is a chance of a lifetime. Right. I'm bringing my family there. So I'm sitting in, in Madison and at like pick 30, San Antonio was going to pick me and send me back. And my, my agent somehow got out of that and said, you know, Jonas will not go back to Europe. He's coming over. He's going to give it a shot. So don't draft him. And then he gets a call and he's like, yeah, Charlotte at 40, uh, you know, guaranteeing you a contract. And I'm like, yes, awesome. Uh, and then obviously 39 comes and and he's like, Oh, Detroit's picking you. So I'm like, F, you know? Like, <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> um, so I get, get on the phone with uh, somebody from the Pistons and right away, they're like, what number do you want? And I'm like, 4, 11, uh, <laughs> 21, and I'm like that's my four numbers I wanted and or three numbers I wanted and, and they're no like doubt. oh they're all taken. Uh, I'm like oh shit, so my uncle is sitting next to me. His favorite player is Larry Bird, so I'm like what number should I pick? And he's like 33. Like, okay, <laughs> okay, I'll pick 33. So <laughs> that's how it went. Yeah.
1: Well, you did you did more as a second round pick than the guy that the Pistons took in the first round that year, the great Austin Day.
2: Mm. Yeah, I uh, I remember very well. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> hey, where's the best place to get Swedish food around here? Uh, I mean, IKEA. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Ikea Ikea or my house.
1: (laughs) Jonas, thank you very much. We really appreciate catching up with you. and uh, It's been a rough season for the Pistons. Hopefully, they'll be able to turn it around and people start getting into it like they did back in the day. We really appreciate it, and uh, take care.
2: Thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, I'll see you guys this summer. Let's do a golf round.
1: Okay, well, definitely do it.